0: Good afternoon, folks. It's that time of the day again. Time for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM and FM Talk 99.1. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, and we have a special show today. As always, I'm joined in studio by the man of few words, Clint Eastwood, Calvin Coolidge, No, none other than John Schneider. You know, Charles Bronson, Daryl, we're going to have to use him as well because another man of few words. Uh, tag along with John, the best executive director of any Republican committee in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania.
1: He knows when to talk. How about that? He knows where to, he? He to get his stuff in. That's doesn't all.
0: he? He doesn't talk. That's the, that's the thing. You know, we're, uh, you, Daryl, thank you. Our producer, Dazzling Daryl Grandy, the man that makes the magic happen and gets the words that we speak here in this studio. Out to all of our listeners, thank you for everything you do. Sure thing, Sam. And folks, I'm joined in studio today. I told you. This is going to be a very special show, and it is. Uh, obviously, I had hoped today we would have better news. We came into this with a, a great deal of optimism, and some things didn't quite turn out the way we wanted to this past Tuesday in the election, but there were some bright spots, and we're here to talk about all of that. And I'm joined in studio by former gubernatorial candidate and partner at k Gates, Jason Ritchie.
1: Hi, Sam. How Can you, you doing, it? Jason?
0: Thank you for joining yep. us. And also, Mike Devaney, principal of Cold Spark, uh, one of the leading Republican consulting firms in the country. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be with you. Uh, we're glad to have you here. So, I guess let's get right to it. I mean, Tuesday, you know, was something we saw um, across the country. I guess we'll call it a blue wave. All right, where Democrats, you know, won in a lot of races that. Uh, Republicans had hoped to experience results in and for example in the Kentucky governor's race you know Kentucky a state that had gone 26 points you know President Trump you know reelected their Democrat governor Matt Beshear. Uh, you had Virginia where Governor Glenn Youngkin who has great approval ratings down there but lost control you know of the House and failed to gain control of the Senate and that hit here in Pennsylvania as
2: well didn't it not Well, Sam, I think when you look at the election results, both throughout the country and in Pennsylvania, uh, certainly mixed results. I mean, once again, you feel like it's deja vu all over again, where the day before the election, uh, we feel that we're going to be picking up, you know, a a, a number of seats, uh, a number of competitive Mm -hmm. seats, and they happen to go the other way. And I think when you look in Pennsylvania in particular, um, really from the Republican standpoint, some troubling trends that you see. Uh, You see Bucks County, which was one of the last kind of Republican bastions in southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, their commissioners getting slaughtered. Dauphin County, although it's pretty tight, it looks like that courthouse may fall to the Democrats for the first time in history. You see Republican bastions like Lancaster County, uh, some municipalities like Manheim Township where the Democrats took a clean sweep places like Cumberland County, Republican bastion, once again, that had, um, you know, races that were uh, much closer than they, they need to be. And you look at all of that, you look at the national landscape, the Kentucky governor's race, the Virginia races, even Mississippi in some ways closer than it should have been. And you have here in Allegheny County, uh, a, a bit of a bright spot, and I think mm-hmm. we got to look at what do we what do we learn from that. And part of that bright spot is for the first time since the 1970s, under your leadership and others, we've elected a Republican uh, district attorney, a district attorney who ran on the Republican ballot, and that county executive's race where there was so much money, there was so much energy, and I'm sure we'll we'll delve into talking about that campaign a little bit more. But to think about against that blue wave, against that backdrop against the fact that our Republican statewide slate uh, had, you know, was swept out really Mm -hmm. our most crushing judicial defeat since 2015 when we lost three Supreme court races against all of those headwinds. uh, You know, you have a County executive race that's determined by in essence, a point or a point and a half. That is amazing in a County that has greater than two to one Democrat to Republican uh, ratio.
0: I I couldn't agree more. And I think, and, Jason, I think you, you would probably echo this, and I'll give you a chance to comment in a moment. But to me, that's an indication that Joe Rocky's message resonated, right? He, you know, he was carrying the message of what he believed the issues that were important to the people of Allegheny County, which were public safety and crime, jobs and taxes, you know, and for him to get you know almost 49% of the vote here, right, is just incredulous. People that never voted Republican before in their lives, Republicans, independents, Democrats came out in support of him and his message. You know, so it's, you know, I think it's hard because if you lose a race by a wide margin, you just walk away saying you lost the race. When you lose it by so little, you agonize over what could we have done different? Is there some small thing that we might have been able to do? What do you think?
1: First of all, I mean, getting to the Rocky race, he ran a great campaign, and Cold Spark uh, did a great job. Uh, when you look at it and you hit the nail on the head, you know, he had those three messages he kept hitting, which is jobs, uh, crime, and bringing it down, and also taxes, right? Uh, the property mm-hmm. assessment issue, which, you know, I'd like to talk about later. Um, he ran a very consistent campaign, and probably, though, more importantly, he's – I think, beyond doubt, the more competent candidate of the two candidates that were running. One, a former Democratic Socialist that had no plans and essentially ran on abortion and democracy. Uh, Joe is the better candidate. It resonated. And I think it showed, particularly for any of our candidates that are running in Allegheny County, if you run as a moderate and you run in the middle, there will be support for you. And that this county is very capable of electing a Republican. And I think we took big steps. And I think there's, uh, I think Joe showed us a roadmap for how to win this county. I also think, uh, and I think we're going to talk about it here, there's some lessons learned, things that we can do better uh, in our future campaigns.
2: Yeah, I think Sam. If you look at this race, uh, when Joe Rocky first started out, nobody know, knew who he was. Seventy-seven mm-hmm. percent of uh, residents had no idea who he was. He raised more money than any Republican candidate, including Jim Roddy, uh, mm-hmm. who was our prime, who was our first inaugural county executive, has ever raised. And that point that we got back to Democrats and Independents being willing to vote for a Republican and and. and we have to acknowledge the political climate in 2023 is so polarized mm-hmm. that is very difficult, and the stories are legion where you hear people saying, "I had in this race, I have never voted for a Republican in my life, and I did." When you look at the results, when you see, um, you know, the fact that Republican performance, strong performance, returned to higher educated, uh, higher affluent suburbs, Upper Saint Clair Republican getting over 60 percent, Fox Chapel getting over 60 percent. Uh, the North Hills, the Wexford areas, these are the areas where Republicans have continued to bleed as the parties have, mm-hmm. have, have transitioned. When you see gains in the city, winning wards in the city, what winning a precinct in the north side, cutting the lead in in, in areas like Squirrel Hill and Shadyside, it was a tremendous effort. And had this candidate and uh, this campaign been in any other county in Pennsylvania other than Philadelphia, he would have won. Had the national environment, been a hair better, you know, he would have won. And so while I think many of us are disappointed that we're not gonna have a strong leader like Joe Rocky at the helm of Allegheny County, none more than you Sam, because you yes. need to serve with that craziness. But I think it's also important to look at what worked. And, and perhaps this can be a turning point for people, for the party having a brand and being a brand and not being a stain. And in some of those areas, quite frankly, it's been a stain. We heard that at the, at the margins. You, you know, We heard some people say, you know what, I agree that Sarah is not qualified. I agree she's an extremist, and I agree that Joe seems like a good guy, but I just don't know if I'm ready to vote for Republican again, this coming from Democratic moderates, mm-hmm. who in the past I think would have been tickets, ticket switchers. Uh, but they did so because they did have some lingering concerns, and, and, and that's still an issue, and it becomes an issue when you're at the margins. Well, I think, you know,
0: WESA did an analysis, and they came back and they said, well, even though that she won, okay, she underperformed John Fetterman's showing in last year's Senate race in all but 25 of the county's 1,324 precincts. You know, Joe Biden received a larger share of the vote in the 2020 presidential race in all but 154 precincts. So to your point, so many people came out in support of Joe Rocky, but you know, one of the challenges that we have here, we're talking about people that were, you know, uh, struggling and wrestling with, hey, I, I, I've never voted for a Republican, right? Can I make myself vote for a Republican? You know, it was Tip O'Neill that said all politics is local, okay? And Joe really ran on local issues, which I believe is, is showing us the blueprint or the roadmap of how we need to take and run in the future. I mean, candidates matter and campaigns matter. You know, and Joe's not a, not a politician and was certainly not an ideologue. Here was a guy that was aiming for the middle, trying to focus on the kitchen table issues that matter to just about each and every resident here. And, you know, I, I, I say that because I think we need to focus more on the candidates, their qualifications, and their proposed policies than just the label Because right now, you know, the brand means different things to different people. And, Mike, to the point you were bringing up from a national perspective, you know, you know, former President Donald Trump, for better or worse, is still believed by many to be the leader of the Republican Party. And when you say the name Republican, that's what so many people associate with it. And I can tell you as well that I heard that on the campaign trail, you know, and that was used as a pejorative, you know, by Democrats. Uh, talking about things like, you know, uh, security of the elections, protecting democracy, is reasons they voted for Sarah Inamorato, you know, a clear extremist, over Joe Rocky, the guy who's actually qualified.
2: Yeah, it's one of the, I think, the uh, most troubling things when you look back at the election that you have, you know, thinking people um, who really did have that clear contrast, that contrast of of a capable, competent, moderate, and they knew it. And yet Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, either because of their interest in continuing to punish Republicans for January six, or, or their disdain for Donald Trump, uh, they cast a vote for somebody who is an absolute unqualified, uh, extreme ideologue for a job that matters. I mean yeah. that that's very troubling.
1: Yeah, I could not agree more. And you know, when even when I was out there on the campaign running for governor, and I'll tell this story, you know, I had uh, a lawyer who's a partner, mentor of mine. I would even call him a father figure. Um, very close. And I knew he was Democrat, but, you know, I reached out and uh, I said, you know, uh, you know, can you can you help me out? You know, I'm looking for donations. I need some support. And he said, Jason, you know, I I can't help you. And I'm I'm telling you, it broke my heart because I felt so close to him. I'm like, why can't you help me? And he goes, because, you know, ever since Trump took over the party, I'm never going to vote for another Republican. And, you know that is that was with somebody i was close with right felt that strongly Mm -hmm. even though i'd known him for over 20 years in a close uh relationship that's how strongly people feel about it and to your point mike they make bad decisions on something that's so important and the ramifications of what's going to happen to allegheny county in the next four years are really sad uh that this Trump effect in January six still lingers where clearly Joe Rocky has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. Correct.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think equally offensive in many ways, uh, certainly those uh, center left or left folks who, who knew the choice and knew the contrast and made a decision to support, you know, their ideology over their community, I think is shameful. But I think it's also shameful for the tens of thousands of Republicans, who only vote in presidential years or congressional mm-hmm. years, who didn't come into the electorate. And we're not going to know this until February when we, when we get all the, all the returns in. But I have a feeling that there are a number of Republicans that just vote in those presidential races that knew the contrast as well. They knew that this was the, 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 the socialist trifecta of Summer Lee, Ed Gainey, and now Sarah Inamorata, and they didn't come into this electorate. And again, when you lose by a point or a point and a half, that makes the difference, and you know we'll, we'll come to see that in the future. But that's my, that that's a theory. So I, I think both of them made some decisions that that I don't think were right for the community.
0: Yeah, and you know it, I, I I wrestle with this, and you know I sleepless nights here the last couple of nights, okay, in frustration as to how what do I what can I do as a county chair to get Republicans who we represent to show up at the polls and vote. I mean, for the last three years, I have preached whether it be on radio, whether it be in newsprint, whether it be on television, the Republicans need to wake up and use mail-in ballots to get our low-propensity and mid-propensity voters to the polls because otherwise we're basically forfeiting these races to the Democrats. They have 50 days to get their vote on and we're going to take and relegate ourselves to just 13 hours. And, and Republicans that didn't come out to vote have no excuse. Because in this race, it's not like someone didn't know what was happening. With the amount of money that Joe Rocky raised, over $3 million between Joe's campaign and then there was a 501c4 out there, I believe it was called Save Allegheny, it was doing this. There were television ads. People knew that there was an election. They knew who the candidates were. They knew what the stark contrast was. And yet failure to come out to vote? You know, and now we're going to have for the next four years someone who, you know, has No experience, nor no good proposals that I've seen, period, on how to address the three issues that we spoke of that were told to us by the voters in polls from January on were their major concerns.
2: Well, Sam, I think part of what you're talking about there are tactical issues. And, you know, tactically, one of the things that I thought was great about the Allegheny County Executives race is that people treated it as a cause not as a campaign. Mm -hmm. And when you, and the left always thinks of it as a cause. And when you think of it as a cause, you're willing to do, you know, a heck of a lot. You're calculating your advocacy in a different way. And in this race, it amazed me, the amount of people who got back to the old fashioned, traditional grassroots campaigning. I saw, uh, you know, a couple things. I live in the city. I live in a very liberal neighborhood. And the last weekend, I personally don't think I have gone door knocking in, I don't know, 15 years, maybe longer. I went out in my neighborhood with a couple of my neighbors. And the reason I did it is because they know what I do for a living. And they said, we want to help. We want to go door knocking. And I said, well, if you're going to do it, I'll do it. And as we were going out, handing out Rocky literature, we found handmade Rocky literature from another neighbor, a Republican and a Democrat who are writing letters on Joe's behalf in a very liberal neighborhood. That type of energy was happening all over the county. We saw people on busy roads. I saw somebody on Monday in Allegheny River Boulevard almost getting killed putting up a four by eight sign, and it was a volunteer that moved his sign down because he wanted more people to see it. This race was talked about. This race was engaging. And so I think getting back to that neighbor to neighbor communication is critical. In that little district I talked about in Shadyside, uh, a poll that we usually lose 80 to 20, we lost it uh, I think by 20 some votes. And that was because the neighbors organized. They door knocked, they had. They, they worked the polls. And so I do think getting back to some of those tactics are important. And then the mail-in balloting. I mean, there's a lot to talk about this. Um, you know, Jason, certainly love your feedback from a statewide perspective. I have a global perspective on it, but we do have to get better at it. But there are a lot of challenges there.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, we did see, uh, I believe, an increase in Republican mail-in ballots uh, at the polls. So that's a positive. I know, Sam, you did a lot of, positive things, and I also like the bank your vote uh, effort that went out there. But you know, during my governor's campaign, there were, the mail-in balloting was so vilified in that primary mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people don't have confidence in it. And the reality is that fight is over, we need to move on, and it is so important to bank your vote because with all of us, we have busy schedules, things happen. Uh, and when it's election day, you may not get out there for whatever reason. So get your vote in early. Get Mm -hmm. it done. It's convenient. You can get your vote in. Your vote's going to be counted. Uh, It's a real process. It's a process done all over the United States of America, and we need to modernize. And I do think you're going to see an increase in Republican mail-in balloting year over year, but it's going to be a process, uh, I think, that you know, that governor campaign really uh, really hurt uh, hurt our start of it.
0: Well, we were able to increase the number of Republicans that applied for mail-in ballots in Allegheny County by 17% from 2021, the last off-year election race, right? But it still wasn't enough. And what happens is Democrats who use this, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe when the first mail-in in Allegheny County dropped, I mean, Carolyn Carluccio, who will use a statewide candidate, 17%. only had like 17%, right? Rocky at Which, 33 Right. And so uh, Republicans aren't using them the way they should. And I used Carolyn as an example because those are typically the Republicans came out for her. Rocky did a fantastic job. The 33 percent that he was able to get was an indication of the Democrat and independent support that were there in addition to the Republicans.
2: But but tactically, as you look at mail-in balloting and, you know, Sam, I think hats off to you and others for doing a yeoman's uh, job in terms of trying to get people to utilize them. I think you know when you win an election it's tremendous when you lose an election you know I always learn a lot more because you just go back and you think about what could you have done differently Uh, and it's the same thing when you think about the mail-in balloting you know if you look at what happens all over the country uh, Democrats have a huge advantage in mail-in voting it's not just here we do a Mm -hmm. lot of work in the state of Florida you know state of Florida now the most Republican state probably in the country Democrats still win the mail-in voting now Floridians have other options. They have early voting where you can go to a venue and vote in person where Republicans clean up, and election day voting where we cleaned up here uh, in Allegheny County and they do in Florida as well. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is are we trying to put a, a square peg into the round hole? Are we really trying to force our voters to do something that is an anathema to them? And obviously, we need to make some investments to get better because that is a vehicle to vote. But I do wonder, is there a diminishing rate of return for the amount of money you can spend to educate people to do something they don't want to do? I voted absentee twice in my life. And, you know, I don't like doing it. I, mm-hmm. I like going to polls. I, mean, I think there's just something psychologically about our people. It's not just mistrust or distrust of the mail. There's something about the civic calling and the duty of being able to go in. And so I think if we're going to be serious about this, we do have to keep trying but I think we also have to be honest with ourselves. Is this the best avenue for us? And, and you know, I've certainly been an advocate of some additional electoral reforms, such as uh, having early voting, which presents a little bit additional of a cost to our counties. But at the end of the day, if we're serious, as Governor Shapiro and all the Democrats and everyone says, it's about access. It's about increasing involvement. I think early voting would be a great example. And I think if we did that, uh, that would really mitigate the issues that we're facing here on the mail-ins.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. As I sat on the uh, PAGOP's mail-in ballot task force, I talked to state directors, you know, from Florida, Texas, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Colorado, you know, about this. But w- the challenge that we have is when we talk to our voters, Republicans in Pennsylvania, and myself here in Allegheny County, that don't like the mail-in ballots. That's our only option. And until we're able to win elections and to take office and govern, we're not going to be able to change that, you know? So, you know, I tell folks, listen, if I were king for a day, you know, I'd get rid of the mail-in ballots. You'd have true absentees. Election day would be a holiday and everyone would be off, but we'd all go to the polls and vote. But I'm not, you know? So if we want to take and win elections, if we want to take and put reforms in place that expand access, Mike, As you said here, you know, with uh, some early voting or things like that to give people more options and expanded access. And we have to start to win because Democrats are not going to do anything right now that they believe, uh, you know, would cut into their current advantages.
2: Well, I think that's the perfect opportunity here in Pennsylvania for Republicans in the Senate to actually push some electoral reforms. Something such as, you know, early voting, I'm a big advocate of. I think it'd make a huge difference. And I think he'd box Governor Shapiro in because of his rhetoric. It'll be the type of thing he'd have to sign. I'm also an advocate of of runoff elections, particularly in primaries. Because what do we learn from the Joe Rocky race? The good candidates matter. To get 49 percent in this environment, in this county, tells you we have a good candidate. And I think runoff primaries would produce better candidates. Better candidates are going to give us a better shot at winning, you know, every single, you know, day of the week and twice on Sundays. So I I think those are a couple of common sense reforms that would benefit the process, that would benefit greater participation, and I think the runoff situation would benefit both parties. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. if you can get better candidates through a primary, that increases the party's chance of winning. But at the end of the day, it's going to have better people, in my opinion, making the decisions who actually govern.
1: Yeah, I I would want to echo, because I think something you said there, Mike, is so important. It's not one of those sexy issues you can get in as a candidate, because people don't want to hear it. But if you looked at why are we so politically divided as a country, I think you could look at the primary system that we have as the number one problem. Why? If you look like what runoff system like Louisiana has, for instance, they put everybody in the first round. Okay, What does that do? You could have two Democrats, three Republicans, a Green Party, a Constitutionalist, if everybody, and everybody gets the vote. And why is that important? Because it forces the candidates to go to the middle right off the bat instead of at the extremes, uh, which is what our current system does. And if you had them come to the middle and then you take the top two, if somebody gets 51% of the vote, they win. If not, you take your top two and they go into a runoff. That's the best way to bring politicians to the middle and to get more moderate uh, people that are elected in the government and less of these extremes where you're getting far right and far left candidates getting elected as you see in the House of Representatives right now, which is just totally dysfunctional.
2: Well, and even if you had the runoffs in a closed primary, like I would advocate, I think that that would help push a little bit of moderation. But there's another issue. We're sitting here in studio today with somebody who, in my humble opinion, in addition to being a friend, was a good candidate. And that's Jason Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Joe Rocky was a good candidate. And one of the biggest problems, Sam, you and I f- know this because we face this. We're out there trying to recruit candidates all the time. I'm trying to do it you know, for business. You're trying to do it as, as a chairman. And I'll tell you how you'd be surprised. You wouldn't be, but your listeners may be. How many times you go to good people who would be great at the job, who have the skill set and the talent, but take a look at the system and say two things. One, I don't know if I want to go through with that or put my family through it. And the second thing is, I don't know if I could win. And that's where I think that, you know, when you look at, you know, look at this Rocky race, that was a good candidate. You know, and and people did respond to them. We came up short, but at least that was encouraging that we had a good candidate and people backed them. That sends a message to future good candidates to take that risk. The biggest thing facing this country right now is a lack of qualified public servants. It's a lack of people willing to Mm -hmm. sacrificially serve. You sacrificed a year of your life to do something that you thought was right. Joe Rocky sacrificed a year of his life. So many people don't do that. I think if you do have the opportunity through the runoffs and the closed primaries, more people, more moderate people, more capable people might see a pathway to winning. And I think that'll increase the pool of quality candidates, thus impacting the the pool of quality people governing.
0: Yeah, it's all all about participation. Folks, we're going to take a break here right now on the elephant in the room. We'll be back after the break. This is Sam DeMarco on WJAS, 1320 AM, 99.1 FM Talk the elephant in the room. Be right back. Folks, welcome back to the elephant in the room. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, joined here in studio by gubernatorial candidate Jason Ritchie and Mike Devaney, principal from Cold Spark. And uh, we were talking last segment a little bit about the results of this past election, the candidates, some of the challenges that we face and things like that. And, you know, you had some ideas in regards to how we could improve the primary process here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that might help us attract more qualified, better candidates, you know, and how, and, and all of that helps itself in providing better governance and better government solutions for the people, for the challenges that they face and, uh, you know, so on going, fo- going forward, but we did have some bright spots during this past election I mean, we talked about we just mentioned in the in the previous segment that for the first time since like the 1970s you know a candidate on the republican ticket won for district attorney here in allegheny county despite despite being outspent considerably by a george soros funded chief public defender and this isn't the only soros loss that they've had this uh this year so i think the message when we talked about the polls and telling us that public safety and crime the number one issue. I think that helps reinforce the fact that that was indeed the issue. Now, to give Democrats a little bit of credit here, I will say that, you know, while many of us, we mocked them when their county executive candidate, instead of talking about the issues that the voters were telling us were important, continued to talk about abortion and reproductive rights and, you know, democracy being on the ballot. All these things that no poll showed us were on the ballot. And when I say give them credit, is because they realized they couldn't run on the issues. So what they were doing was trying to gin up support for their base to get their base to turn out, which is essentially what happened. And all the modeling, Mike, I think your team did and we did in the, the campaigns, we didn't anticipate turnout being almost 41%. You know, we hit the mark we wanted to hit in regards to Democrats' support for Joe Rocky Independent, but the turnout was so high that we felt short we, felt, we we felt short of the runway necessary to be able to overtake, you know, their mail-in ballot lead at, at the end. I mean, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think you've uh, assessed the strategy from the Democrats quite well. I mean, Sarah Inamorata at the end of that campaign, she was upside down, which means that her unfavorability was greater than her favorability, whereas Joe Rocky ended the election plus 20 favorable to unfavorable. They knew that she was a weakened candidate. I mean, it's why when the one ad she did at the end that had Governor Shapiro in it, on some level, I thought it was odd because she only appeared at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it was actually, in hindsight, brilliant. You know, I thought maybe for an executive role, you needed to have the candidate be a little bit more multidimensional than just the Democrat. But their their goal is easy. They've got, you've got the hardest job in the world, Sam, getting to 50 plus one as a Republican here. All they need to do is to have 80% of Democrats vote for them. Like that is not a hard threshold. And I think that is indeed what they tried to do when they started messaging on those national issues. And I think what they did was two things. I think they did bring some additional folks into the electorate. What I fear we may not have done as effectively, and that is some people who just hate Trump, you know, but maybe only vote in the presidentials. But I think at the margins, a couple extra came out at the Mm -hmm. end there. And I think you also had a message to many of those you know, quote unquote moderates. But when people I self identify as moderate, they're actually liberal who didn't like Sarah and were either going to vote for Rocky or skip it. And this gave them that extra oomph to say, okay, if my popular governor is asking me to do this, I I have to assume there's a greater reason for it. And when you lose by a point and a half, or in this instance for her, win by a point and a half, that that I do think absolutely is is what happened in that race. And so I think ultimately it was it was a sound strategy.
1: Sam, I I think you uh, no pun intended brought in the real elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is abortion. And you know you guys started to talk about it later. If you look at Ohio, the Kentucky governor's result. Uh, Glenn Youngkin's defeat in Virginia they all center around reproductive rights and abortion access. Two-thirds of Americans believe in some type of choice in the early uh, prior to viability and even though in the Rocky case if we want to bring it home and I think if you look at abortion and we need to understand where we're at right politically which is we are in a post-Roe world. What does that mean? Dobbs the Supreme Court in my opinion made a the correct decision. There's nothing in the constitution that gives the right of an abortion. And that is something that should be left to the states to decide. That's what the mm-hmm. Supreme Court said. So, but what does that mean? That means now the abortion issue in all of these states is hot and hot and heavy because now politicians and the state capitals get to decide what are the rules for abortion. And so is that issue has become heavily politicized, more than it ever has. Because Ro- we're not still in a row where there's this constitutional right out there. So as Republicans, we need to understand that this is happening in the political world. And we, I think if I had to be critical of Joe Rocky, and one mistake that could have actually cost him the election is to say, and he's absolutely right, that abortion has absolutely nothing to do with the county executive position. But then he let Sarah define him without coming out with what his own position was, uh, at least as I saw the campaign. And when you let your opponent define you, you know, she can say, well, you know, he's not telling you because he's one of these radicals like Masturano, who you know, doesn't he's going to take away your health. You know, he has private plans to take away your reproductive health care. So I think as Republicans, we need to get on the offense on abortion. It is a big issue. It's a big issue that the electorate cares about. And and if we don't do it, we're going to continue to go over four in our judges races, we're going we're gonna to lose statewide. We're going to lose governor's races in Kentucky and in Virginia.
2: Well, Jason, you make a great point on that issue. And, and, and if you look at the last federal election post Dobbs, what happened is all the Republicans said it's a state's rights issue, and they kind of washed their hands of it. And for two generations, for many Republicans, all they had to say is, I'm pro-life, and they could go away. They didn't have to talk about this issue. That, that, that checked the box. post Dobbs. they didn't know what to do, and they said it's a state's rights issue. They walked away. And what happened? The Democrats filled the void. <coughs> They said, you know what, you are, they took what is the most extreme view and they assigned that to people. So if you're quiet, you're absolutely right. That's what happens. With Rocky, he clearly stated, you know, uh, that he did let her define it a bit. He said, look, I'm going to enforce the law of the land. But when you don't affirmatively take a position, your opponent can fill that gap. For those who've watched the Republican debate this last uh, last night, you had Nikki Haley, I think, really carve out a, a, a way of talking about this issue that I think is effective. And that is we have to start thinking about nationalizing some common things that we can agree upon. And that's what we could campaign on. If you talk about a ban for the last trimester, which has 70 to 80 percent approval, um, that's the type of things that our candidates could be advocating for as opposed to passing the buck and then getting defined. So I think we have to find, you know, we were winning this debate for many years because we were arguing at the end term where there was great consensus. We have to get back to leading and talking about the consensus issues on this very difficult thing, or Jason, you're right, will be defined by opponents. And you know what? If we do that, we can start to define them, which is actually an extraordinarily extreme position, which is allowing abortion up until the day of birth or of birth. You want to put them on defense? Start talking about that. But we've got to start bringing people back by talking about the things on this issue that we can agree upon. And it's a tough issue. Bringing co- consensus together is the approach to take. But, I mean, we, had, we, we still have problems. I
0: mean, we saw this in the uh, debate that the Republican Party had in Miami earlier in the week. <clears throat> you know, we talked about Nikki Haley, you know, and articulating her position. But, I mean, they say when you're explaining, you're losing. Okay, we got a couple issues here. You know, one it, when the Dobbs decision came down and it threw it back to the states. That's the proper decision. States and the people should make the decision. But the left—they're not. While well, we on the right are arguing now over okay, what's the right position? Is it 15 weeks or 13 weeks or whatever with exceptions? The left is pushing it. Well, we don't want politicians, period, making that decision. And it's framed as a way whether we come back with 13 weeks or 15 weeks. They're going to call it a ban or anything after that. And they're going to talk about we're trying to take away their rights. Okay? <clears throat> so we need to figure out a way, somebody much smarter than myself,
1: well, I, I on how tell, to take a frame I would that. tell you, you know, I have a lot of contacts in Ohio. And, you know, Republicans there are uh, breathing a sigh of relief, if they'll tell you quietly. Oh, behind. yeah, because now— Because the they people- what they did was they ran—and it was, you know, and, and Ohio's a conservative state. I would, right. I would argue it's a more conservative state than Pennsylvania Absolutely. is by far. And yet, you know, they had, I think it was 60%, maybe even higher than that, voted for a constitutional amendment, which basically says that— Ohioans have a right to choice up to the point of viability, which is, by the way, determined by their doctor, except for, you know, only post viability when the mother's life's in danger. And so that has now taken this uh, issue, this right. issue, and it has closed it in Ohio politics. So in, in, in the, even Republicans that said they were against it, I can tell you uh, firsthand from talking with them, they uh, are breathing a sigh of relief because they were getting killed on this thing too and i think and again you saw it in virginia kentucky and pennsylvania so we have a lot of great candidates coming up in this next cycle Uh, you know they need to learn from uh, what i would say is a joe rocky mistake although he ran a great campaign he's a great candidate should have won this was one mistake but this this abortion issue should not be underestimated and it needs to be attacked head-on
0: well and, and let me let me just say two things. One, one I won't characterize it as a mistake, okay? Because the the his position, personal position, has nothing to do with the county executive's race, okay? And you know, suppose he is pro-life, and suppose he did come out and say that, then they would just use that, you know, against him as well. But you talk about Ohio, you know. So what was put on the ballot was a referendum. Now Republicans screwed up there in not proposing their own referendum and giving the voters a choice is the which of the two to choose. It was either or, you know. And then when you talk to pro-life folks, which I have, you know, they're against putting it on a referendum in the first place because even though some of us look at this and say, well, we're, you're allowing the voters to make the decision, okay, they don't believe that it should be in the hands of the voters per se like that. So, I mean, th- there's there's a lot more around this issue that we have to figure out and address in order to come up with a winning message because all of the real issues that affect people's lives, inflation, high energy gas prices, you know, the invasion we have at the southern border, what's happening from a geopolitical perspective across this globe, okay? None of these are being addressed by anybody that's competent to address them and because folks are going to the polls and voting on these social issues, which really don't affect them,
1: but you know, that, in the least. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, for most people— you know, the abortion issue isn't gonna affect them, but it's emotional, it's moral, it's 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 faith-based. And just to give you an example, so they go to the polls on that. Now, what could they have went on the polls about? Joe Rocky is not gonna do a reassessment. We know of our property taxes. Sarah Namorado is going to do it, okay? Mm-hmm. And you wanna talk about something that's gonna impact everyone that's listening to this and everyone that's out there in the future of Allegheny County. Here's what's going to happen. She's going to do it and she's going to do it right now at a time where commercial property values in Allegheny County are down because we have vacancies in these skyscrapers, shopping centers are vacant. And when those corporations that own those buildings who have lawyers and we do a reassessment, those reassessments are going to be at half the value of what they used to be. Now, That's going to create a huge tax vacancy that's going to exist in Allegheny County. Who's going to pay for that? It's going to be the individual people who own their own houses and the small businessman and woman that's out there. And she's going to jack up everyone's taxes. And it's almost ironic that Sarah the Socialist, uh, who believes in, you know, uh, uh, apparently this equity and so forth, she's going to be helping big corporations uh, over individuals because I, I frankly don't think she understands economics, and that's being kind. Uh, when I listened to her talk and I and I I gave her fair due process on that, I, I really don't think she understands economics. And so, to your point, Sam, we have these bread and butter issues that are going to determine Allegheny County's viability for our children and grandchildren to come back here. It's going to determine pocketbook issues for people and people who are yet going out and voting on abortion. And so, we do have. to figure it out our candidates have to get out in front of this i think that's that's the biggest thing and as mike said don't let your opponent define you on
2: it You bring up a great point I mean, you think Rome is burning uh, all over the world Mm -hmm. and people are making their decisions on on these type of issues, which obviously are important. But when you look at where we are as a country right now and you look at where the world is, the reason we really have to solve this is we we can never again have a scenario where somebody is incompetent and ideological extremist like Sarah Murata gets an office like this because of an issue that doesn't matter like this. So you're absolutely right. We got to figure it out.
0: So where do we get the smart people to get them in a room? (laughs) (laughs) So you brainstorm and figure this out because, you know, look, it it, it is a challenge. And I think uh, one of the things that we as Republicans don't do well is to hold our leaders
2: accountable.
0: Now, uh, yes, you'll have Republican activists out there who harangue, you know, their Republican elected officials, despite them not having power. You sound like you may be speaking from some experience there. Oh, you know, just just a little. Okay. But I, I mean, really, I think, look, you know, November 8th yesterday started a whole new day okay and uh Sherian she won she's going to be sworn in as the or you know as the next county executive here at the beginning of January but Dem- Republicans, Democrats, and independents have to hold her accountable for her accent and the results that they deliver. I believe that Rich, former county executive Rich Fitzgerald, Governor Josh Shapiro, you know, Senate Minority Leader Jay Costa, they all need to be held accountable because they all stood up before the people of Allegheny County and told them that this was the best choice to take and lead the county into the future. So if she fails to deliver on jobs, it's not just Sarah Inamorato who should bear the brunt of that, but these other folks as well. And, and we need to take and start to hold them accountable and demand, you know, the right actions from the very beginning instead of waiting until the next election cycle and then trying to remember what was it that they had promised and failed to deliver.
2: Well, Sam, you make a great point, and you're certainly well positioned to do that as a true uh, opposition as a leader in an opposition government and you're going to have to do that as our outlarge member of county council. We as a party do need to hold people accountable. We have to look at these results and say we came so close. So what does that mean? That a large majority of people from other parties agreed with us that we had a better candidate. And we now know that we have somebody who is uh, who for our own sakes we hope is successful, but you know, the evidence isn't looking like she's going to be very successful. We're going to have issues with taxes, we're going to continue to have issues with crime. We're going to have issues on homelessness. We have to remind people that there was a contrast we have to continue to work to change hearts and minds so that in 4 years from now we're not going to do what we've done in the city of Pittsburgh. We've run two, six, you know, two serious mayoral campaigns. One in 1969 with George Tabor where they spent over a million dollars in 1969 money. The second one in 2007 with Mark DeSantis. And people got excited about these races and they lost and they said and they and they gave up for a generation. We can't give up.
0: No, no, we we, we absolutely can and I think the response that we saw here, you know, with this Allegheny County executive race is an indication that it's the message and the candidate that reverberate and resonate, okay? and were, not necessarily the
2: party. There was also an interesting coalition. It was certainly Democrats, Republicans, Independents, but it was a lot of moderates who haven't heard an invitation to come into anything yeah. in a long time. They see the extremes from both sides and they say, and they, they disengage. That was the most interesting thing. And the question is, where does that group now go? You know, you see the talk, the chatter, the text messages. They, they're asking what's next. And it's incumbent upon us to give them something that's yeah,
1: next. I, I could not agree more. I mean, there's a real positive message. I know we're all disappointed in the results uh, from November 8th. but And I, I said this earlier, but what Joe Rocky did, and if there is a legacy of this campaign, uh, I don't know what his if, if he's going to get back in the arena or not, but he showed us a path in Allegheny County where you can really get that coalition of Democrats and independents and Republicans together to build a coalition that can win. And you can see the difference between his campaign and others. And so I think if we follow his model, tweak here and there. We keep working hard, keep bringing people to a more moderate uh, message, a message of jobs, a message of bringing crime down and keeping taxes the same or maybe lowering them. That is a winning message and we just have to keep hitting at it and I think there is a bright future.
2: You bring a great point up. Those kitchen table issues, you go back to Sam's point earlier of all politics being local. The Democrats made all politics national. They'd done it throughout the country, and they were successful. But you pinpoint something that those core values that people care about did build a coalition. It brought people in who were disaffected independents and de- Democrats into that cause. And I do think we have a blueprint. When you're talking about crime, when you're talking about real issues, not election denialism, not stuff that they can't control in that office, that's how you go about building a party that is common sense and growing and that we're inviting people in that is a big tent. And that that's definitely a way we need to move in the future.
1: And the Democratic socialists now control all aspects of Allegheny County and city government and we have seen already with them under control, we've seen crime go up, we've seen 50,000 jobs go out the door. We've seen our population, despite you know predictions that as we were gonna start going back up again, continuing to go downward. If we see those trends, they're gonna have no one else to blame, but these new socialists who have taken over the Democratic Party. They have now taken over the government. They now have the power. So, let's see how their policies do. I believe that what we're going to see is we're going to see our taxes go up. We're going to see jobs continue to get the heck out of Allegheny County. They're going to go to more prosperous and more inviting and more, you know, governments that want them. And we're going to and we're going to we're going to see population leave and continue to leave. And that is unacceptable. I mean, Allegheny County is going to hit a breaking point you can't keep losing jobs and population forever and uh, there's going to be a critical point where your population becomes so low and if you're not if your government the size of your government your cost of your services are the same and you keep jacking up taxes and then people keep believing it is a a bad spiral that will continue. It would be an endless cycle of raising taxes, people leave. Raise more taxes, people leave. And so it's unsustainable.
2: You know, I've come to the conclusion that common sense isn't that common anymore because what you have just stated makes complete sense. The tragedy and the travesty of this election is the fact that we're going to have an inexperienced ideologue in an important seat when we're facing serious headwinds. You mentioned it, 50,000 jobs lost in the last five years in Allegheny County. That's more than in any county in Pennsylvania or Ohio. The next closest one was like 5,000. This is drastic. The population loss is real and will continue. We work in downtown Pittsburgh. We know the mess that that exists, and we have ideas like from Sarah and Murata, like using the empty office space for artist lofts and homeless shelters. That's only going to exasperate the problem. And what is that going to do? People are going to people are going to follow where the where it's safe. People are going to follow where their tax dollars are better used. And you know, the real tragedy is going to be people like my kids and yours that aren't going to have a future here if we don't hold these people accountable. And if they fail, as we believe they will, we vote them out next time.
0: And it's critical that we do. And that's why we're here not just today but also for tomorrow to build this party. And I will tell you here, you know, we talked about the coalition, the amazing coalition that came together in support of Joe Rocky and in, Steve, in support of Steve Zapala. I've had a number of Democrats already reaching out to me, telling me how amazing this has been and they want this to continue. And asking, you know, how, how they want to get together for coffee, they want to get together for lunch, they want to talk about how th- this this is the start of something. And you know, when we say start of something, I believe it's sort of the start of a common sense coalition. You know, people who in the past, you know, held politics at arm length because it's a dirty business or they didn't want to get involved for whatever reason. But now are recognizing how important it is and how it will affect their lives, the lives of their employees, their families, so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, Mike, I put out a letter here to the co- committee and to our donors and everyone earlier today talking about this, that as we move forward, you know, let's move forward not with the ashes of what just occurred, but with the embers of the fire that was ignited here in Allegheny County. And I think that bodes well for the future if we act on it and seize the opportunity,
2: you know, as we head
0: into 2024.
2: Couldn't agree more, you know, from your mouth to God's ears, this, this is, these are not ashes. These are embers. Mm -hmm. These are, this is an opportunity to continue to expand that light and do something. And I, I hope that is the takeaway from this, from this last cycle that here in Allegheny County, where there is a bright spot amongst the sea of blue there is a flame that has been lit here, a spark that has been lit. And now it's up to us collectively to figure out how we go about harnessing that group of folks for common good. Otherwise, we're going to be in a lot of trouble in this region.
1: Yeah, the, 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 I think you hit the, the word. This is an opportunity. So we, we can't lose it. There used to be... I would call it common sense Democrats, you know, the, the, the followers of the Dan Honorado and Rich Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. those folks don't have a home right now. And they're looking like they see these the socialist group and they're like, yeah, I don't recognize that. That doesn't look like a home for me. So we've got to open up the door and we've got to welcome them into our common sense uh, coalition that we're building and we need to continue to build it. And if we do that, we can get back in this game and, and hopefully turn this county around.
0: And Jason, that's why I said that, you know, I hate that we get stuck using labels with preconceived brand Names with them because, you know, I believe like Ronald Reagan did someone that agrees with me 80% of the time is a friend, is a friend and an ally, <laughs> not a 20% traitor. Okay. That's why I refused to censure Patumi, you know, when he voted for pre- former President Trump's impeachment. Not because I felt it was right or whatever, but I didn't believe that everybody needs to be in 100 lo- 100% lockstep agreement. With every Republican, you know, we shouldn't have purity tests because what we're doing then is we're actually hurting ourselves because politics is a game of math, a game of addition, not subtraction, right? So we need to take and we need to embrace people that will come together for us. And I think that this was a great opportunity, you know, reaching out, you know, to the district attorney, Steve Zappowell, and running him on the Republican ticket, having seen in fear what the George Soros prosecutor would mean here. I think was the, the right step. Now, we only have a minute left. Let me take this minute here to thank one, all of our great candidates. I mean, folks like Joe Rocky, Bob Howard, Bollinger, you know, Sean McGrath who ran for county council, along with Eileen Cunningham, Mike Imbrescia, Suzanne Filiaggi. You know, I want to thank all of the candidates who ran for school board, for municipal office. I want to thank all the Republicans, Democrats, and Independents who did come out and vote for our candidates in this past election. And I want to remind you to take the pain that we felt yesterday with the results and carry that with you and carry it to your friends, family, co-workers who didn't come out to vote because it's extremely important if we look to change Allegheny County and our municipalities for the future that we need to make our voices heard. Mike and Jason, thank you so much for joining us in studio today for the elephant in the room. You've been listening to The elephant in the Room on WJS 1320 AM, FM Talk 99.1. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. Until next week.